It's all about keeping that brutal focus on, well, this is who we want to be. Therefore, this is how we win. Therefore, this is how we need to grow over the short to midterm. And our, our levers of growth need to support how we're positioned in the marketplace. Welcome to the Brand Transformation Show by Blurt, where we unpack what it takes to transform organizations through technology, leadership, and creativity. Welcome to the Brand Transformation Show by Blurt. I'm your host, Craig. This is season two, episode 11. I'm joined as usual by brand expert and founder of Blurt and uh, Sunkissed, Stuart Leo. Sunkissed. Sunkissed. We've been, we've been, we've actually had some time off we recently have. and got we, to, yeah, hang out, hang out and do life. Take, get out on the water here on the, the, you know, the sunny, the, sunny, the, the, the sunny Gold Coast, yeah. surface paradise, just north of surface, following pods of dolphins around. It's pretty in amazing, the, isn't broad it? Water. it? was, it was very good. It's, uh, it's, I think, I think, um, where we live is like the, uh, it's like the Hawaii of Australia. Um, it's the playground and, yeah. um, there's beaches, there's sand dunes, there's dolphins in the water. Every time you go to the beach, you go, I should be here more, but for whatever reason we don't, but this year it started off very well. So I'm going <laughs> to try and keep the, keep the trend happy. So, um, the, the, the end of last year, well, the last episode we talked about, you know, trends that we're, um, mm-hmm. that we're expecting to see in 2020, the least of which is space travel. So go back and have Ooh, a listen to that. Um, topic. Fascinating. But uh, before that, we started um, tackling these seven questions. And so uh, we are up to question three on this episode, strategy. What is strategy, Stu? Yeah. So question three, I really should read it out, shouldn't I? So, Please. Um, and, and before I read it out, let's take maybe one step back and say, well, why are these seven questions? Yep. Um, you might be listening for the first time. So we exist to help people close the brand experience gap. You know, who are you today? Who do you want to be tomorrow? And um, the gap is closed by asking and answering seven questions. Mm-hmm. When you answer them, you've got to do them. So that's the bit that closes the gap. Yep. So um, so we're working through those questions. So um, we talked about vision was the first one. The next one was market, know thy market. That's right, yeah. yep. Um, and question three is on strategy. And question three actually is what is our strategy? Where is our growth focused? And does this support how we are positioned? So before we even jump into this, we should really dissect that, shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. So um, maybe let's start off with what is strategy? Great. So, I mean, this is one of my favourite topics in the world. Um, uh, I'll try not to talk forever on this. Okay, time is on. Time is on, let's go. So what is strategy? Well, um, a strategy, if you you Google it, Google's going to tell you the wrong answer. A strategy, if you Google it, Google's actually going to tell you the wrong answer. Oh, controversial. That's first one. First time. (laughs) First time Google was wrong. Um, Google's going to give you an answer that says something like a strategy is a set of activities in order to achieve an outcome. Mm -hmm. That's just not true. That's that's modern business language that's kind of turned strategy into a a thing, not what strategy is. And what strategy is, is something you are as an organisation in the marketplace. It's a position. We We want to be that position. We are that position. Our strategy is to be this. Is it a verb or a noun? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I'd actually suggest um, uh, it's it's a noun. <laughs> okay. But it's also a verb. Okay. 
So looking forward to unpacking this one. Well, take um, you know we, we we talk about let's go down a divergent path. Okay, right, great. Just to explain that. Yep. Um, in, in branding, we often talk about the best brand names are both verbs and nouns. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I've just dissed Google. So let, let, me, give them some, <laughs> let sure. me give them some kudos. Yeah, yeah. Um, Google is both a verb and a noun. Yes. Um, it's a great brand mm-hmm. uh, because it's something that is and also something that you do. Mm-hmm. So Google got loads of traction really quickly because it was unique, it was different, it had a great brand name and mm. it was something you did. Hey, just Google it. Mm. And the purpose of that brand was experienced when you Googled it. Fantastic. Do you think they headed, Do you think they started out with that, like actually thinking that it would be a verb or or did that? Did the marketplace put that on them and they've just gone awesome and they've run with it? Like I don't know. That would be good to research. Was it part it? of their strategy? I reckon... Um, uh, I reckon it was. I'm yeah? going to call it it was. All right. Yeah, I'm going to give him some credit on that. But you don't say, I'm going to Facebook that, do you? And you don't say... Yeah, you do. Oh, do you? You do. Facebook it? Yeah. Put well, it on Facebook? Yeah. Or you, you more say, I'm going to Insta that. Yeah, probably. I oh, will Insta. Yeah. yeah. Insta's got more more traction as a... As, as a as something that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Have we diverted enough? We've diverted somewhat, <laughs> haven't we? But I think um, the, the principle there is great brands are both verb and noun. Okay. Um, strategy is both verb and noun. Okay. Um, bit of a trend there. What do we mean by that? Um, a, a great strategy is we want to be something in the marketplace. Um, we want to be the best. We want to be the easiest. We want to be the smartest. We want to be the simplest, the, the most innovative, you know, whatever that might be, a position in the marketplace and a position from our competitors. It's not the set of activities and things you do, they're actions, initiatives that are framed by the goals and objectives to get you to that position. Mm-hmm. And so this is where most organisations go, we've got a strategy and you go, great, what is it? And they hand you a 94-page PowerPoint document and go, read our strategy. Mm. And it's like, oh no! Mm. Uh, it's more of a business plan, or a that's wh- that's a business plan. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a how do we execute our mm. strategy? Mm. When when um, a brand says we want to be known as um, uh, the happiest place on earth, that's a great strategy, and and that's Disney, and th- and that's the essence of um, what they do. When when a brand says we want to bring joy. In, into the experience of refreshment and drinking, then that's Coke and that's mm. that's a strategy. So, um, Isn't that purpose? No, no, okay. but good question. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's just, let's, let's play with that. All right, um, great. So purpose, we exist to mm. do something. Strategy, we exist to be something, um, if, if you want to put it in those terms. Great, and just to round it out, vision is we exist to... No. Get somewhere? No, <laughs> but good try. <laughs> Thank you for listening yeah, to the podcast. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, imagine a world where, yeah, because we, yeah. So imagine a world where this change happens mm. because we delivered on our purpose. We did this solution. Um, that's a that's a mm. you know go go back and listen to question one. Mm. Um, vision w- and purpose. I will. Um, <laughs> we've got our first callers yeah, calling. That's what they're calling it. Yes, yes. That's a, are you there? I know they've gone. <laughs> Um, so I think a, a good way, so vision, mm-hmm. um, what's the change in the world, um, we're bringing because of, um, what we do, mm-hmm. um, purpose, well, we exist to do something, mm-hmm. we solve that problem on a daily basis, mm-hmm. go back and listen to the episode, um, strategy, well, we exist to be something, okay. it's, a, it's a being, so it, it is a verb, um, 
there's a there's a beingness to that. We're going to do it. It's also great when it's a noun. So, so great strategies are great positions in market. Um, we're going to be the most innovative. Uh, um, you know, an apple. Um, you can think of great strategies that set a clear position in the marketplace that reinforce why you should choose them. Um, so <clears throat> when we think about strategy, um, what is our strategy um, is a really important question because the what is saying what is that position that we need to hold in the marketplace against our competitors. And when we say position, we're talking about real estate in the mind. Great. So how do I even begin that process? Like do I do I decide what position I want to hold? Do I look for a gap in the market? Do I just I, I see a saturated you know market but think that I can do a better job? Like what's what's the process to actually kind of go, okay, this is the position that I want to hold? Yeah, I mean you, you typically don't want to go into a saturated market for obvious reasons. Mm. You're going to compete on price <clears throat> because that's the position you're going to want to hold mm. um, in order to get traction. Mm. You're going to want to find a gap, a niche, um, a foothold in that marketplace. So you, <clears throat> you want to do classic gap analysis. Well, um, I'm, I'm looking at going into the streaming market, okay, Netflix, they're holding a clear leadership position. Apple, they're holding a clear ecosystem position. Um, Disney... They're holding a clear brand position. Um, Amazon, well, they're holding a clear ecosystem position. You know, where do I go? Should I should I be going after a position in that marketplace? Mm. Um, maybe I shouldn't. Um, we, we see people like Jay-Z who launched um, his streaming service and now is is desperately trying to foothold, trying to find trying to find a foothold in that marketplace. Mm. Um, and I think the latest ad I saw was six dollars ninety nine for six months. It's you know he's now competing on price. Yeah. That, that service is going to die in no time, and and investors will lose a lot of money. You heard it, it first. Um, sorry, Jay Z. <laughs> um, uh, great idea, but but poor business principles in terms of position in the marketplace. So you would look at that market and say it's pretty much saturated. Would you? Is, well, there, no. is there room in the is there room in that in the streaming market that hasn't been the optimist in me always says there's always room. Yeah. Um, what what's not being hit at the moment just out of curiosity. You know what I, I reckon um I reckon the 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 family or the kids market isn't yeah. being hit. Um maybe Disney's trying to trying to go there that they they're probably having a crack at that but I I think there's room for a for another competitor in that place. Mm. What do I mean by that? I mean um you know, we, we have Netflix and, um, you know, the usual streaming services in, in the home um, and most of it is consumed by our children. Mm. Um, so I, I could see a service targeting um, families and children because there's um, stuff on Netflix that you want to try and restrict. You, yes, you can put age barriers on it, but, you know, there's... there's. So I, th- I see a gap mm. there. I um, also think that I've got five streaming services that are, you pay for different, you know, uh, production houses for different... All, all that sort of stuff. Like a, a one-stop shop would also be a exactly. gap in the market, right? Yep. Um, you know, I think um, there's been some interesting moves in strategy in music and streaming and audio um, at, a, at a brand level. So what do I mean by that? I, I mean at the musician level. Um, so uh, you know, I'm a I'm a child of the '80s and '90s, and and um, you know, raving fan of U2. 
I think they did some really innovative things over the last 10 years in creating their subscription mm. um, to U2.com. Mm. They were probably one of the early bands that entered into that space and I don't know how many numbers they've got, but I bet they're selling more through subscription than they are in albums when they're not putting them on your iPhone kind of yeah. in $100 million deals. But um, the benefit that brings to the raving fan is connection to the band, connection to the brand, early access to tickets. Um, mm. You know, they, they I think they were just um, ranked as the number one biggest earn over the 2010s as a decade as a live touring act. Um, that's pretty impressive for um, a bunch of old granddads. Mm. As Actually, as a... A budding musician myself, I actually do a lot of research into DIY. Um, you know, basically musicians, how do you promote your music uh, outside of a label? And even the big brands are doing this because they actually realize that there's far more money to be made. But um, just based on the principle of having one super fan um, and a super fan that's willing to part with, say, $100 a year for mm-hmm. early access to music, for exclusive merchandise, for, you know, like you say, like, you know, um, front row tickets, that type of thing, yep. um, then, you know, a thousand, a thousand a super thousand. fans paying, paying $100 a year is it's a very, very small market, but there's $100,000 a year if you're, if you're an independent musician. So if you scale that to the size of, say, U2 or whatever, they're making far, they're getting a far bigger bite of the, of the pie than um, than they would have under a under a record deal. Yeah, yeah, and so so I, I I look at you know those streaming wars and go, yep, um, you probably don't want to be launching a global streaming player, but there's niches all over the marketplace. Mm. Uh, we're just in the first few years of of that game, so so that's a good discussion around positioning mm-hmm. and what position your brand is going to hold in the marketplace and where you're going to put your content. So if if strategy is about who we want to be. Mm. Mm. Um, and we're defining that by basically finding a gap in the market. We found it. What next? Well, I think or we've identified it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Next is really articulating um, uh, your um, and I like what Porter from from um, Harvard talks about this. He said, "What's your domain? You know, what's your marketplace? What's your what's the area that you're going to win in?" So, so. Um, you know, in question two, we talk about what is our market, who is our ideal customer, and that's really framing up that that contextual layer of where's the space, where's the marketplace that we're going to go play in. Mm-hmm. Um, when you play in that, you're now choosing to be a certain player in that marketplace. Mm-hmm. That's strategic positioning. And once you've defined that marketplace, you need to start defining the clear reasons why you win in that marketplace. So <clears throat> who's doing it well? Who's doing it well? Loads of companies are doing it well. Dozens. Any market leader is doing it well. Mm. They've clearly defined a market position. They've defined a set of competitive advantages and they're executing on those advantages consistently. Okay. Uh, rephrase the question then. What example can you give us of a company that's uh, identified a gap in the market and stepped into it and done mm. it successfully? Well, we talked in a previous podcast about UE in the insurance market here yep. in Australia. They yep. found that gap looking at, um, you know, old boring brands and went, let's be the young youthful brand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we mentioned Netflix earlier in this podcast. I think Netflix, uh, uh, like the pinup child, mm. um, they, they were the, they were, they started putting DVDs and VHS VHS in the mail. In the mail. Yeah. I mean, how old fashioned does that sound um, today? Now, now, and and 
you know, a great case study because Kodak, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it would be fair to say that Netflix changed with the, you know, the technology, the impact of technology on the marketplace, right? Whereas Kodak didn't. Yes. Yeah. But what did, what did Netflix say? They said our competitive advantages um, are in our ability to connect with a customer and distribute some content to them. Mm. They didn't say our competitive advantage is in a mail system. Mm. That's the difference. Kodak said our competitive advantage is in a system, yep. in, in film. They didn't say our competitive advantages is in creating images. Mm. And so when you think like that... So strategy is not a... a I want to be a streaming company. Strategy is... Is what's my position and what are my advantages that ensure I win against my competitors in that marketplace? Strategy is a position in the market. And and this is where strategy um, – well, let me stay on Netflix because yep. I just want to finish that thought. Um, they were they, – they moved quickly enough and they it was a bet your company moment to go, wow, let's get out of DVDs and mail and let's see if we can put this piece of content on the internet and send it to somebody. And – that's that's the ability to to pivot and be agile, and they changed they changed how they delivered their service, but they didn't change necessarily their position in the marketplace. Um, and in doing what they did, they actually created a whole new marketplace. Mm. So, from a Netflix point of view, um, they they picked up all those um, you know first to market. Um, competitive advantages, they could scale quickly. And and so now you see that marketplace evolving where it's no longer about serving other people's content but actually creating your own to, to ensure that you've got now competitive advantage in content. So, sure. so competitive, competitive advantages are the things that um, move and change in the marketplace. Um, you know, you, you, you don't want to be changing those too often, but you may need to be adapting to those on a on a yearly, you know, every few year kind of basis. Mm. Um, but position is something you should be rock solid in. And it should very, very rarely change because once it's set, it's very hard to move. So we've identified who we want to be in the market, the position. Yep. So how do we focus that for growth? Great. So um, there's... There's a framework we use and in our work with clients where we're all about um, sense-making. We use a lot of sense-making frameworks. Here's, here's a picture on a wall that takes an abstract idea and puts some concrete objective thinking around it. That's sense-making. So we have a, a sense-making framework on growth. You know, where can growth exist? And imagine two windows. Mm-hmm. Um, every business um, attracts customers and generates revenue and every business spends money um, producing that product and managing systems through operations. So we have a customer growth window and we have an operations efficiency window. There's there's your, your okay. picture. Where is our growth focused is about saying, first of all, where are we driving growth? Are we driving growth in customer acquisition or are we driving growth in operating efficiency? Typically, it's very hard to do both at once. Uh-huh. And um, you, you need to centre your focus on one side. So we see this in the marketplace all the time. Um, bloated technology companies that just go, I'm after hyper growth and customer acquisition to, to hold market. 
I'll worry about operating efficiency later because that will come. Mm. So, you know, companies that haven't made a dollar in profit uh, but have huge growth, companies like Uber, Salesforce, others, Amazon only recently started making profits. They're all about growth and market penetration and customer acquisition. They're actually not about efficiency and profit. And so they're heavily focused on the customer growth side and only slightly focused on the operating efficiency side. Now, the question in, in technology world is how long can you sustain that? Sure. Because um, at some point you want to start banking profits um, versus raising the, the capital asset. So our growth focus is about saying which side of the which, – which window into the business are you playing with? Which levers are you going to play with? And so if we break down each window, imagine the window and there's four panes in each window. Um, you got the picture in your head? I do. Great. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, it's probably out of a Mr. Men book. <laughs> like that, That'll you know, do. Old school, great. Excellent. Um, I've got play school in my head. <laughs> sure, know. yeah. Uh, remember, yep. we're going to choose a, a window today. Square window. Excellent. Um, square window and the square window has um, it's two square windows and each square window has four parts. Simple box. In the customer growth window, there's four paths to growth and there's actually only four paths to growth. Uh-huh. This, this is the... This is the great mystery. Most people go, oh, how do I go from here to here? You're going to end up doing one of these four things. Sure. So what are those four things? I what hear? are they? Yes, our thousands of listeners are saying. Pull over, grab yourself a pen. <laughs> and write this down. <laughs> um, number one, um, the first one is increase overall consumption. So um, you've probably seen there go, oh, what a letdown. How do I do that? Well, I'm, I'm going to – I love using the burger example on this. Um you know, if we're selling burgers, um, how do we increase more people, like the whole marketplace, to eat more burgers? That's really hard. You, if you're the market leader, you might be able to. Mm. Um, uh, so the, the, the picture I'm trying to get you to um, understand here is there is a path to growth where you can increase overall consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've jumped into the burger example. But more often we see this in um, – in political or government or industry regulation. So if a government passes a law, for example, here in Australia, we have you know, property is such a big issue in Australia um, and property affordability and we see laws passed like first homeowner grants. Uh-huh. What do they do? They lift the whole market um, because suddenly the whole market is affected through some government legislation. Mm. So overall consumption can be influenced through major industry rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. That can happen if leaders get together in industry groups and lobby governments. Mm. So markets can be influenced Mm -hmm. in legal and appropriate ways. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Most businesses listening are probably going, yeah, can't do that. Can't do that. So that's okay. Um, Some businesses listening are probably going, yeah, we've done that at times. Mm -hmm. We've lobbied governments, we've got changes to legislation and we've seen benefits. Is is lowering margin or going zero margin one way of... Well, you're talking about price there. Okay. So hold that thought. Okay, I will hold it. Okay. So number one is increase the whole market. Uh-huh. Number two is increase your market share. Right. So um, so there's a pie. We can't make the pie bigger, but you know what? We can make our piece of the pie bigger. So um, you'll deploy a number of tactics and strategies to try and increase the size of that market. Sorry, the share of that market. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you'll probably use the third window, which is 
increasing dollar per customer. So number three is increasing dollar per customer. And you can do that through three ways. So, and, and those three ways are frequency, penetration, and dollar per sale. So let me go back to my burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to increase dollars per customer. Frequency is my first lever. So I've got a customer who buys a cheeseburger once a week. How do I convince that customer to buy it twice a week? Mm-hmm. I've just increased frequency and I've doubled my sales per customer. Yep. That's frequency. Penetration is about saying, hmm, I've increased my um, frequency. I've now got them buying more. But penetration you could think of as like share of wallet. So I, wanna, I want them to buy more items when they come to the store, to the shop. Yeah. So if I'm selling burgers, actually I've sold them a cheeseburger, now I want to sell them fries and a Coke. Uh-huh. So we've got deeper penetration into spend, into wallet, into the menu list. So suddenly penetration's gone up, total sales gone up. The third lever to pull in increasing dollars per customer is increasing dollars per sale. So put your prices up. Put your prices up. Simple. Um, suddenly the cheeseburger's gone from two bucks fifty to two bucks seventy five, and we've got a twenty five cent increase on that item. But could it could uh, my approach to penetration actually be that I actually reduce for a certain amount of time to actually get my product into the market? Absolutely. Therefore, they experience the value of it, whether it's burgers or whatever it is. Could be. And then I increase my dollar per sale. Yep. Like, yep. Yeah. I mean, you can you can play with those tactics to try and increase revenue or market share accordingly. Mm-hmm. So, the point being that um, there are actually only a small number of ways, four ways you can increase customer growth. Mm-hmm. These are the four. We're not talking about tactics. We're talking about the four windows. Mm-hmm. So number one, increase overall consumption, mm-hmm. make the pie bigger. Number two, increase market share, make your piece of the pie bigger. Yep. Number three, increase dollars per customer, make the incre- make the, the piece of pie more expensive. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, make yes. the piece of pie more expensive, yep. and and make people eat it more often, mm-hmm. or let people eat it more often. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and you know that has a compounding effect. That can be extremely powerful. Yep. The fourth. Um, in the window is create a whole new market. So you, you might think of that classic blue ocean strategy. So I always like using the example of, you know, we're, we're a burger chain um, where we can't increase overall consumption, but we can chase market share. We can play with increasing dollars per customer through packages, pricing, promotions. Um, and you know what? We've got all these outlets on corners of major roads Um Let's put a, I don't know, a grocery store um, on the other end of our site, leveraging our infrastructure and um, systems and customer base and suddenly we've got a whole new market um, where we're selling groceries. Mm. Uh, well, you know, pick it, pick it. It's a dumb example but you get the point. Um, so those four windows, if you are chasing growth, you will be chasing growth through one or many mm-hmm. of those four windows. So does that make sense? Yes. Let's you, should we be focusing on one? Um, typically organisations are focusing on one or two or three. Great. Um, it's pretty difficult to focus on all of them um, and uh, and do all of them at once because they all have different tactics and more often than not um, you, you focused on one or two. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so that's the first window. That's the first window. Let's look at the second window. Mm-hmm. Um, 
second window is the operating efficiency window. So remember, customer growth, operating efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the operating efficiency window, it's a little bit of a mirror to the growth window. Um, in, in one sense, if growth comes from increasing overall consumption, mm-hmm. um, uh, efficiency comes from time to produce. Okay. So time to produce, can we take that um, uh, ability to produce something from – 10 weeks to eight weeks, from 10 minutes to eight minutes. Um, Let's find that time to produce item. That's number one. Let's Mm -hmm. produce faster. Number two is yield. Let's produce more with what we've got. Yep. So, um, you know, if we're a farmer, time to produce, I could plant a crop that takes a whole season or three to come to life or I could plant a crop that takes four weeks to come to life. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the difference. Yield could be saying, well, actually, out of that same size of field, I'm getting ten bags of of cotton wool, of cotton. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> before it's turned yeah, into cotton wool, um, if I'm getting my um, fertilising organics right, I might turn that into eleven bags of wool, well, the bags of cotton. Um, so yield is about how can we do more with what we've got. Mm-hmm. So time to produce, yield. Um, thirdly, uh, if we increase dollars per customer on the customer growth, over on the operating efficiency side, we can decrease dollars per production unit. So we're looking at our inputs. So we're looking for economies of scale. We're looking for error removals. We're looking for um, uh, removal or decreasing returns. And we're looking at improving raw input costs. Mm-hmm. So all sounds fairly boring, but... Um, you know, what was that old classic case study I remember reading in, in university? Uh, American Airlines took one olive out of its first class um, meal mm. and saved a million dollars across its operating budget. So, mm. you know, at scale, these mm. are the the major impacts you can have on, on, on an organisation. And if you're using airlines as an example, um, you know, moving each seat six inches closer to the next one increases. Increases what? Yield. Yield. That's right. So they're, they're looking for an operating efficiency. Mm-hmm. So um, the fourth window is people performance. So um, this, this is managing um, systems well but also leading people well so that people um, bring high productivity and high motivation and um, can – not be treated as machines but as people and bring their best to the table. This goes so, back to our last episode uh, it, where we actually talked yeah. about um, employee experience. So you should go back and check that out. Definitely, definitely. So those four on the operating efficiency side, time to produce, yield, decrease dollar per production unit mm-hmm. and people performance. So Great. Con- contrast that with the customer side, increasing overall consumption, increasing market share, increasing dollar per customer and creating new markets. Great. So there's two windows with some really cool key points on how we can actually focus our growth within but, the market that we've... Yeah. So yeah. what the question is getting at is where is your growth focused? Mm. So mistakes that often happen, I think we've all experienced this, you know, a CEO or CEO walks into a into an update with a, with a team like a town hall or an all hands update and they go, we're going to increase sales and we're going to do this and we're going to be amazing and we've got this efficiency drive where we want you to focus on blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And what does the employee hear? They hear, I need to increase sales and more output with less. Mm. 
boom, I'm demotivated. Yep. And so you, you rarely can achieve both at the same time. In fact, if you're trying to do both, you, you're confused. You're, you're not focused. Uh-huh. Typically, you're going to be focused on one side. Typically, you're going to fill the customer cup, hold those customers, go back and improve efficiency. Go back and fill the customer cup, hold, improve efficiency. And so you can't launch into massive efficiency programs and roll out massive new systems in CRM or operational management and then double your, your sales force. You know, that's insanity. Um, so this is where things blow up. And so often when we're talking about transformation or we're talking about achieving that 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 closing of a gap in, in the brand, we're saying, okay, choose choose one. Um, I, I like that um, emphasis of strategy is all about what you say no to mm. um, and you'll say no to more things than you say yes to. And so this is one of those strategic decisions. What am I saying no to? Mm. And as a team, as an, as an executive team, finance, sales, marketing, operations, we get really clear that we're going into a period of what? Mm. Growth or efficiency. Mm. And and therefore, we design our objectives accordingly. So you're saying it's like tapping your head and rumming your stomach. Like you can't do it. <laughs> it's like, you choose one. That's right. Choose, choose one. one. Yeah. Fo- focus on it. And then have you got examples of where they've actually um, chosen the other to start with? Like the other... Uh, the, like picked an efficiency, for example, yeah, 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 over yeah. customer growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean loads. Um, and and that's that's market forces um, often that dictate it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, go back to the GFC. How many organisations coming out saying we've got to tighten the belt? We're going mm. to be more efficient. Mm. Why? Because the market is now a lot smaller. Mm. And there's not as many sales to be made. Now, um, I think um, not always, but sometimes being counter cyclical. Mm with some of these is actually more effective for long-term growth. So when we saw organisations investing growth in the GFC, what they rode was the overall increase of consumption rise coming out the other end uh-huh. and they saw their whole business rise massively. So, so, so if, you, if you've got an example though of a business that has started out on efficiency before they've had a – Customer, like, or is it always second? Is it always I, secondary? I think it's always secondary. Secondary, yeah. So it's one, we, then the we, yeah. Well, <laughs> really what's the most we, important thing you need when you start a business? I need a customer. <laughs> right. I, I'm very efficient, but nobody's buying my product. Yeah, yeah. So it's always it's always secondary. It's always secondary. It's always second step. Yeah. And how far along second, that? But it's never secondary. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I, I see the distinction. How <laughs> how far along? Do I uh, do I switch? Like, where's where's my tipping point? Well, if you're Amazon, Uber, Salesforce, it could be ten or twenty years. Sure. Or you know that they're big decisions. Um, I don't I don't know that they're necessarily good businesses in that sense. Mm. Um, uh, I, I particularly like Warren Buffett's um, uh, focus on cash flow and return on capital and mm. equity mm. and. Um, and so I think value is really important. Mm. That's that question has to be answered on a per organization basis. Um, is it like a Jim Collins just before you get to the top of the curve though? Like is it is that kind of like okay, this is actually something that is actually gonna redefine I, your curve? Possibly. I mean, you might say we need to go into um, to, okay, there are some principles. Mm-hmm. How big is the market we want to own? Mm-hmm. 
Therefore, how long will it take to own it? Yeah. All right. There's your investment in customer growth. Mm. So Uber said we want to own the world. So they're going hard and spending a lot of money to own the world. Mm. Um, it, it's it's fascinating. Um, I don't know. It's probably popped up on everybody's um, feeds at some point recently, but the 10-year anniversary of um, introducing the iPhone, Steve, mm. Steve Jobs, and it's just, I don't know, like I've talked to a lot of people where it's just popped up on their feeds or whatever. So I watched it recently and they, you know, it's fascinating to actually see the projections that Steve... <laughs> Steve Jobs like present and he was he was right with almost all of them but one of their their big objective was to okay here's the market here's the mobile phone market here's all the competitors blah 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 we want to own 1% because if we own 1% that's 100 million dollars yeah you know whatever it is yeah, um, yeah. and now they own whatever it is <laughs> yeah but <laughs> market uh, share right i think where apple's um, perhaps different from other organizations is they've chased profit and a position of quality in the marketplace. Yeah. So they've they've pursued product quality and innovation. Yeah. With profit, and have sacrificed market share. Mm. So Samsung and the Android ec- ecosystem are by far and away the largest market share of mm. mobile phones, but they're by no means the most profitable. Mm. And so, I think Apple is a great example of saying growth is not always the best answer. Apple could be a much bigger company by market share, but it would be a much smaller company in profit. And so you do have to step back and go, well, what's the point? Um, why have more customers and more market share if we make less money? Mm. At the end of the day, if, if you're a responsible um, uh, shared shareholder or director, you you need to be asking the question of what's the greatest and best use to create the returns for this organisation to benefit society, um, my investors and society. Um, and so, you know, it would be irresponsible to just chase market share growth at a lower profit margin. Mm. And and so I think that they're good differences to highlight because they. They really do um, force you to take stock of where your growth is focused. You could, and and so okay. So how does that support that? How do, how does all how does you know what we're talking about right now support our position in the market? Like, yeah. So um, uh, let's just stay with Apple because that's that's fresh in our mind. I'm actually thinking we could do an entire case study just on that, yeah. based on all the stuff that you talked about. <laughs> it's fascinating. But, yeah. um, well, Apple said we want to hold that. Um, high quality product innovation um, position in the marketplace. Um, people will buy our products because they they just work. Mm. Um, that's a position to hold in the marketplace of product innovation, and um, therefore, you, you you low quality products get high market share um, because everybody has them. Mm. High quality products are the possession of the select few. That's just by nature. Mm. If everybody has it, it's not special anymore. Mm. So I think where Apple has um, found a magical space is to work out how, um, you know, hundreds of millions of people can have their product and it's still special. You know, it was fascinating is like you're talking about frequency. Like, so once, you know, like they, they release a new phone every 12 months or whatever, there's a frequency cycle of like pr- delivering new products. So people go, I always want to upgrade to the next and the best and all the rest of it. Yes. But um, they, from what I've read, they experienced it like this, this, this point where they were making such a good product that people weren't 
buying every cycle. <laughs> yeah. They were buying every second or third cycle. Yes. Um, which means the the overall cost of the, you know, like, you know, the latest iPhone 11 Pro or whatever probably costs more than a laptop. Mm. Um, mm. Like, the, so the price has gone up. So is that reactionary? Like, what? I think, I mean, they're all interesting um, tactical executions on product and pricing and product um, variations um, to, to work through in your product strategy. Mm. And, and so, you know, we're talking brand strategy and business strategy, but, you know, your product strategy sits in and underneath that. So what you're seeing there is um, uh, you've created a product that's still actually so good it might last two or three years mm. and, and some consumers are still holding on to that. So, you know, you saw Apple and they had some problems in mm. what, 2016, 17, 18, where um, – People were still holding on to iPhone 5s and 6s and um, by that stage I think we're at 9s and 10s and the software wasn't working. And There was a huge big consumer backlash around, hey, Apple, you're purposely making my phone slow mm. and my battery die mm. um, so that I upgrade. And, mm. um, you know, I'm sure they weren't but let's assume they weren't. Um, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, assume. <laughs> let's assume they weren't. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a need there to get the product moving mm. and so you've got to find that balance between product quality and um, repurchase. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a balancing act. That's a really fine balancing act. And so I think possibly they might have found it and they certainly reacted with, okay, go in, replace your battery, um, they had consumer programs to do that, they worked through the software issues but at the end of the day there's still a group of people holding that product for longer so therefore, your product release is still important because um, if I'm if I'm holding an iPhone 10 and it's my phone, and the iPhone 11 or 12 comes out and it's the super sexy, my iPhone 10 still kind of looks and feels like the iPhone 11 and 12. Mm. Not that we've got 12 yet. Um, so therefore, my phone still has street cred and design mm. cred in the marketplace. And so you see this often in cars, um, automobile. Brands do this really well. And I, and I think um, a great example is Land Rover. So Land Rover, um, Land Rover have for a very long time taken the DNA, in fact there was a whole ad campaign built around that, the DNA of the Range Rover or the DNA of the Defender and put it into the Freelander and the Discovery so that their range held a common DNA mm. and each brand model you know, had had distinct moments of change. Um, and so we're seeing one of those right now with mm. the launch of the new Bond movie where the mm. new Land Rover Defender comes out and it's a huge body change. It's massive. And the world has been talking about it in the auto industry. Yeah, um, It's a huge brand bet to say we're moving the, this brand, the Defender, from here to here. Mm. And, and they're going to use the James Bond movie to, to actually drive that shift in positioning for that product. So um, we've got a little bit off track there, <laughs> but how does our how does this growth support our positioning? Well, Apple shouldn't drive the most market share mm. if its positioning is a high quality product, mm. therefore making margin high margin. Mm. Therefore, high market share doesn't equal that. Mm. So how is our growth supporting our position? Mm. That's so. Question three is is really important. You know, it's huge. Um, what is our strategy? Where is our growth focused and how does this support how we are positioned? It's all about keeping that brutal focus on, well, this is who we want to be, who we are, want to be. 
Therefore, this is how we win. Therefore, this is how we need to grow over the short to mid term. And now our levers of growth through either new customer acquisition or through efficiency um, need to support how we're positioned in the marketplace. Stu, I reckon that's a pretty good place to wrap it up. It's, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant, that one. Um, there's so much to talk about. There is, <laughs> with, it's huge. With, with strategy, it's a massive question. Um, if you want some clarity on any of that uh, or you want to um, add to the conversation, you can jump on Twitter, at blurt underscore loud is our Twitter handle. And um, if you want to find out more of the products and services that we offer, you can visit our website, blurt.co.au.